G'day folks, welcome to episode 146 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray, and this week we're going to do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. And we're also going to have a quick look at uh, the impending announcement that Ubuntu 2104 is going end of life. Well, I guess the announcement has been made, but uh, next week it goes end of life. Uh, And yeah, what's going to be happening with the podcast over the next few weeks as well. But let's just get straight into things. Uh, So this week, the team uh, patched 28 unique CVEs across the supported Ubuntu releases. And up first was an update for Django. Three CVEs here were patched, and they are for Ubuntu releases 18.04 long-term support, 20.04 long-term support, 21.04 and 21.10. In this case, it's possible to write uh, to arbitrary file locations if uh, a plugin or similar would call the storage save um, function without uh, properly validating the name, because you could have crafted file names that would have uh, relative path components, so you could do essentially like a um, directory traversal with that. Also, if you're passing unvalidated user input uh, through the sort template filter, that could then uh, be used to make arbitrary method calls or you know, read other information and disclose it and that kind of thing. Basically, if you could craft a specific key, uh, that would then cause these other functions to be called. And finally, uh, it's possible to conduct a denial of service attack uh, through uh, the essentially the password login page uh, because if you sub- uh, submitted a really long password, it would then go and c- compare that for similarity against others and it would use the entire length of the password that you had submitted and sort of compare every part of that uh, instead of just, I guess, giving up if that's really long compared to something that's really short. Uh, so the fix there was just to discard it essentially if it was uh, significantly different in length to uh, the one that it was comparing against. Now, I guess that's only an issue if you do have your uh, login stuff publicly exposed for Django. Uh, but yeah, they've all been patched. As well after that, we had a huge number of updates for the various Linux kernels that we support across all the different Ubuntu releases. As always, I have to do a shout out. Uh, Well, I don't have to do a shout out to the kernel team, but I'm going to do a shout out to the kernel team because they do a huge amount of work maintaining all of this. Uh, You know, they do uh, three weekly stable release updates for all the different kernels in Ubuntu. They do contain, obviously in those, a lot of different backported uh, like functionality and bug fixes, but they do have a heap of security fixes in there as well. And so they do a great job keeping all of the Ubuntu kernels secure. So up first, we had an update for one of our OEM uh, kernels, one of our kernels for our OEM platform, should I say. This is for Ubuntu 20.04 long-term support, and it was a 5.14 OEM kernel. Uh, this is, I guess, the most high-profile vulnerability that we cover this week. So it's in all of the various kernel updates, basically include this one, which is uh, in uh, the huge pages uh, subsystem, I guess, within the kernel, which allows you to use you know, a lot bigger uh, memory pages. So traditionally in Linux, there are 4K, 4,000-byte uh, pages that are used to kind of as when you allocate memory uh, a page gets allocated and then uh, there's the uh, translation look aside buffer that's done to actually kind of look up pages within the page cache table but obviously if you have really big amounts of memory uh, that takes lots you know maybe you have a gigabyte of memory that gets allocated that takes lots of 4k pages to make up that gigabyte and so then you have lots of entries in uh, the TLB and so then you need to do lots of lookups to kind of traverse all that memory so that's not very efficient so there's the, the concept of huge pages which allow uh, things like 2 megabyte or even uh, 1 gigabyte size pages to be used these aren't used by all applications it's the kind of thing that needs to be opted into so things like uh, you can use MMAP with uh, particular flags or you can use uh, system 5 shared memory uh, with the shared mem huge TLB flag to that to be able to uh, essentially enable the use of huge pages with them 
So applications opt into this. Uh, however, in this case, the vulnerability though was that uh, the huge page cache table lookaside buffer or translation lookaside buffer wouldn't get flushed uh, in certain conditions. What that would mean then is that one application would potentially be able to read or write to uh, the memory of another application that was also using huge pages. Uh, so that was fixed obviously to fix that. Uh, after that was an update for uh, another OEM kernel in the uh, 2004 long-term support release, but this is a 5.10 OEM kernel. This also included that huge pages uh, issue I described uh, just previously, as well as a raised condition in the handling of read-only maps in uh, the eBPF subsystem. So basically eBPF, uh, as you're probably familiar, is like kind of an in-kernel uh, just-in-time um, domain specific language really that allows uh, you to kind of essentially inject code into the kernel to be run at different times but you know obviously injecting code into the kernel could be potentially dangerous so there is a verifier for it that tries to verify that uh, certain things you know, can only be done you can't do you know arbitrary memory rights or that kind of thing and then it includes its own sorts of data structures that can only be used one of them is maps that is kind of like I guess addict or something like that in your more high level uh, programming languages the concept is you can then have read-only maps. It's essentially that you load it into the kernel, uh, you know, as read-only, so that it's all static, uh, and ideally that can't be modified. However, in this case, there was a race condition where it was possible for a privileged attacker to be able to modify maps that should have been read-only. Uh, as so that was fixed as well as a couple other vulnerabilities that we discussed back in episode 140 uh, in this case um, the TIPC subsystem when using message crypto messages uh, there could be an out-of-bounds write there as well uh, a possible out-of-bounds write in the firewire subsystem both of those then as out-of-bounds writes you can write to arbitrary memory so you can probably at least crash the kernel by corrupting memory but obviously because you can uh, do arbitrary writes to the kernel you may be able to get code execution as well through those uh, we had seven CVEs then rolled into the 5.13 kernel, which is used as the standard kernel for Ubuntu 2110. Um, similarly, the 5.11 kernel for Ubuntu 2104, uh, and that's also used as the hardware enablement kernel at the moment on Ubuntu 2004 long-term support. As I say, I included seven different CVEs here. Uh, so mostly the ones I've just mentioned, plus uh, a race condition in the overlay FS uh, subsystem, uh, a use after free in the NFS subsystem, and an integer overflow in eBPF. All of those could then lead uh, to possible memory corruption as a result, a crash of the system or possible code execution. Uh, a few more kernel updates to go through. We've got an update for the 4.15 kernel. That is used as the standard kernel for Ubuntu 20 for long-term support. Uh, also, the hardware enablement kernel, kernel for Ubuntu uh, 16.04 ESM and for 14.04 ESM for Azure uh, clouds or for, for Azure. In this case, uh, again, a bunch of the CVs I just mentioned plus a race condition in the timer implementation, and that could be used uh, to cause an internal of service from privileged local users. Uh, the 5.4 kernel used for Ubuntu 20.04 long-term support as well as that's the hardware enablement kernel at the moment for Ubuntu 8.04 long-term support. Again, a bunch of the same CVs I've talked about. Uh, an update as well for the 4.4 kernel used for Ubuntu 16.04 extended security maintenance and the 3.13 uh, kernel for Ubuntu 14.04 extended security maintenance. And finally, uh, well, we had some OEM kernels as well. Uh, and uh, we also had a live patch. So the live patch, uh, as you're probably aware, is a way of doing, uh, I guess, patches to a running kernel that allows us to patch certain vulnerabilities without you even having to reboot your kernel. In this case, that included five different CVEs there. Four of them were high priority. Uh, and so one of them is uh, the um, 
huge pages issue that I talked about earlier, plus a bunch of um, vulnerabilities that we've seen in the last month or so. So things like uh, an issue in the eBPF verifier, uh, an AMD hardware specific issue with uh, using the KVM um, virtualization subsystem where a guest VM could possibly write uh, to, uh, to the host memory as well as out-of-bounds write in the NetFilter subsystem and an out-of-bounds write in uh, the VSFS implementation. So again, all of those could uh, lead to code execution within the kernel by a relatively unprivileged user. Hence why we classify those as high priority. So yeah, if you are running live patch, uh, you've now got those fixes without even having to reboot. Or if you're not, you can use uh, the Ubuntu Advantage tool, that's UA. You can do think, uh, just run UA enable live patch to turn that on. Uh, and that's for our long-term support releases and 6.04 extended security maintenance. Uh, and it's even available free uh, or for free personal use as well. So you can go to ubuntu.com advantage to learn more about that. All right, enough of that spiel. Uh, up next was an update for uh, the Apache web server. Two different CVEs were rolled into this and these updates were done all the way back to 1404 extended security maintenance plus 1604 extended security maintenance, 1804, 2004 long-term support, 2104 and 2110. Uh, two different vulnerabilities here, uh, both in, um, I guess, the handling of uh, proxy requests. So if you were con had configured uh, Apache as a forward proxy, so that's proxy request on, there was a possible null pointer dereference uh, through crafted URI, as well as a possible server-side request forgery if you were configured as both a forward and reverse proxy and you could basically forge requests to a local Unix socket through that as well. We had an update for WebKit GDK. Uh, both of these come from uh, upstream WebKit uh, and these are for Ubuntu releases 20 for long-term support 2104 and 2110. Uh, there was uh, a possible universal cross-site scripting that could be conducted as well as content security policy bypass. Uh, both of those could be triggered obviously by visiting a crafted uh, website or you know, handling crafted HTML content. So things like uh, you know, if you receive a HTML email and that gets rendered by something like Evolution which uses WebKit GTK, uh, you could also be potentially vulnerable to those as well. An update for Exib2, this was unfortunately a regression that was caused by a previous security update. Uh, this was noticed by some users that uh, when they used uh, the Gwenview application for opening images that had been exported by Darktable, it would crash. Uh, Gwenview uses Exib2 for uh, image metadata handling. Uh, and basically, yeah, when that got uh, you know, updated uh, previously, we, we introduced a regression there so that it would inadvertently crash when there was, I guess, a particular format in that metadata. Uh, thanks to one of our Ubuntu community members, uh, Simon Schmaber, for con uh, contributing that one. Uh, they did that through attaching a devdiff to the appropriate bug report on Launchpad. So thank you so much for that. Uh, that makes obviously updating these sorts of things really easy. We just uh, have to review the devdiff, uh, test it, and uh, release it. We don't have to necessarily construct it all from scratch. So that is a real uh, time saver. Thank you very much. Uh, we've got Apache Log4j2. So obviously this one has been in the news in the last uh, month or so, obviously for uh, a lot of reasons. There was that really high profile vulnerability that was found back uh, in the middle of December. And a couple more vulnerabilities here that we've patched. Uh, in this case, uh, neither of these were as high profile. Um, you know, one of them could be used as possible remote code execution, but you needed to be using a particular configuration there. And in particular, in this case, you need to be having uh, your essentially log4j2 events going to a um, relational database, uh, which you had configured through uh, the JDBC appender to do that. Uh, but if you had configured things that way, there was another case there that you could get possible uh, remote code execution from a remote attacker. 
And there was also a case of uncontrolled recursion that could be triggered through self-referential lookups, essentially by, again, giving a crafted string that would get logged. And again, but this requires an attacker to be able to control the thread context map data and obviously be able to supply crafted strings that could get logged as well. So both those have been fixed as well for Log4j2 in Ubuntu releases 18.04 long-term support, 20.04 long-term support, 21.04 and 21.10. And finally, uh, GhostScript. So uh, back, I don't know if anyone's listened to the early episodes of this podcast, but I used to mention GhostScript every few weeks, basically, I reckon, when I first started this podcast, because at that point, um, I believe it was Tavis Ormandy from uh, Google Project Zero, basically was finding a huge number of issues in the GhostScript uh, sandbox. Essentially, GhostScript is you know, a PostScript interpreter, PostScript being Turing complete, you know, it's essentially a real programming language there, uh, but obviously, you know, it's used to render documents, <laughs> things like that. Uh, and so, you know, you could supply some arbitrary document that would then actually cause GhostScript to, I don't know, go and write out to your file system or get code execution or, you know, whatever it might do. And so uh, the GhostScript developers had introduced a sandbox that was meant to kind of prevent that kind of stuff. But yeah, Tavis found a huge number of uh, ways to bypass that. Nowadays, GhostScript is being actively fuzzed by Google's OSS fuzz. And so every now and then it finds issues like it has in this case. Uh, here we have a use after free and a heat buffer overflow. Both of these uh, could cause a possible crash or remote code execution, as you can imagine. Uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, GhostScript back from the dead. Uh, there we go. All right, so uh, in other news this week, just a couple things to announce, uh, as I'm foreshadowed at the start of this episode. Ubuntu 2104, uh, the, I guess, most, the next most recent uh, standard support release is about to go end of life. On the 20th of January, next week, that does go end of life. That means from that point onwards, it will be getting no more bug fix or security updates from then onwards. Uh, as a result, uh, you really shouldn't be running that release. You're going to be getting, uh, I guess, more and more out of date and more and more potentially vulnerable as time goes on and so now is the perfect time if you want to, to upgrade to ubuntu 2110 that's the i guess the current uh, standard support release uh, both of those releases have nine months of support but obviously uh, the nine months of support has now run out for ubuntu 2104 but it, there is still six months of support left for ubuntu 2110 so yeah i urge you if you are uh, running that old release go and upgrade now uh, and obviously, you know, it's a good uh, time also to be getting ready because Ubuntu 2204, the next long-term support release, will be uh, coming out uh, about the end of April uh, this year. So, yeah, good chance to kind of see some of the new stuff that will be landing for that as well. The other thing that I wanted to mention in this week's episode is the podcast will be taking a break for a couple of weeks. I know we have only just come back uh, from the, the holiday period. However, uh, next week is the 2204 mid-cycle sprint. So basically, uh, Canonical holds a couple different uh, sprint events for uh, each of the six month before the six monthly release cycle process. So one at the start and one at the middle of the cycle. And we're now in the middle of 2204 being developed. And it's time to, I guess, review progress and see where everything is at. Uh, so with a week uh, of uh, lots of meetings and that kind of thing, it's not uh, exactly the best time to be tuning out a podcast episode. So we will be on break next week as well. Uh, I'm off the week after that. So yeah, we will see you back in three weeks time to cover all of the news and updates and everything that's happened in uh, the world of Ubuntu security. So yeah, end of the first week of February, uh, expect to hear from me then in your podcast feed. All right, that takes us to the end of this week's episode. As usual, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can email us at securityubuntu.com. We also hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on the libera.chat IRC network. And we are on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec as well. 
So thanks everyone for listening again for another week. I will be back uh, with you all in three weeks' time. But uh, don't fear, until then, you know we will be keeping you safe. Because uh, as always, we've got you back, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.